you a woman. I am man. You are smaller, so I can be taller than. You are softer to the touch. It's a feeling I like feeling very much. You are someone I've admired. Still, our friendship leaves something to be desired. Does it take more explanation than this? You are woman, I am man. Let's kiss. Good evening, Jennifer. Good evening, Ed. Good evening, Josh. Welcome to the Gleeful Podcast with Josh, Jen, and Ed. You can find us online at gleefulpodcast.com. One day. I will get through this without messing it up. You can find us online at gleefulpodcast.com, on the Twitter at gleefulpodcast. I'm at Josh Burnell. She's at Jenny B. Creative. He's at Edward G. or Don of Jennifer. Joshua. 345, huh? 345 a.m. 345 a.m. We're recording a little later. Uh, this week and tonight, uh, we're recording 9.30 PST, 12.30 uh, Ed time, or as I like to call it, uh, very close to bedtime for Josh and Jen, and kind of like lunchtime for Ed, apparently. Yeah. So, it's true. Middle of the day for Ed. <laughs> Ed's not, just warming up. Boy. You maniac. If, if, if I were to go to bed at 10 o'clock, it'd be 5 p.m. to me right now. Like... Like, that's the equivalent. It's like 5 p.m. <laughs> that's crazy, friends. Uh, but, you know, hey, Ed is very awake, so you will carry Josh and Jen. And then Jennifer was up at 3.45 to take your dad to the airport. Yes, Ouch. I was. Wow. But, hey, you know what? That time of the morning, there's nobody on the road. It was kind <laughs> it's of true. nice. It's true. When Josh took me to the the train station at like ridiculous period of time it was there was no but there was no traffic wasn't the issue i was so like i i look back on that so years and years ago i we've only met ed in person once right Mm -hmm. and yeah just the one time and years and years ago he came to stay with us and uh i took you to the train station after you'd been with us for a couple days i took you to the train station like 11 o'clock in the morning and at night oh and looking back on it, I feel horrible <laughs> because I, it was like the Union Station inside is pretty safe. Union Station outside, not so safe. And it's not the best neighborhood in the world. And I feel horrible that I just dropped you off. But I was so tired. I you were so tired. Like, I could you barely like- get to the train station. <laughs> but if you ever came okay. out again, we'd have way more fun. Because our apartment's sure we, cooler, sure or our house is cooler. Our house is bigger. Yeah, our house is bigger. You could have a room. And, uh... Not, not just a couch where, where you did work. Like, you did yeah. work above me. <laughs> yeah, I had to, like, oh go my... upstairs and do work, and you were downstairs. Oh, uh, it was a long time ago. Um, but anyway, welcome to the Glue Podcast. We are back to discuss, uh, Season 5, Episode 6? Five. Five, five. Entitled The End of Twerk. Uh, we're episode end five, 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 five. forever, uh, and uh, we are going to dig into the end of twerk as we always do. But before we do, Jennifer, 
Oh, no. Go ahead and give us your temperature, your grade on the end of Torque. I thought it was okay. I'm, I'm, I haven't quite come to um, terms with how I feel about this episode. Um, the performances were fun. Some of the stuff was kind of crazy, but I understand they were doing certain things to make points, regardless of how absurd it seemed for certain characters. But, um, you know, I liked parts of it. Kind of indifferent about others. Um, I give it a B minus. Interesting. B minus. Uh, Ed? Uh, I could be talked out of that, though. Well, really we'll see easily. What's, we'll see what's going to happen. Uh, uh-huh. Ed, your, uh, uh, your grade on the end of Twerk? Um, my biggest issue with the episode was what it didn't have, not what it did have. It didn't, like... For me, season five has been my favorite parts of season five have involved Santana Demi and not having either of them at all. That's like four seasons and yeah. five or four uh, four scenes in five episodes, though. I mean, yeah. and and then I, you know, Red Mike D is right. I thought I didn't think I would say this. Well. Inversely, it isn't the 2.0s inherently that are terrible. It's just Marley. <laughs> like it, like like I tried so hard. Like like I have been. Melissa Benoist is amazing in every facet of life, minus the writing they give Marley. So like 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 I'm sure she's fine in every way possible. Like Amber Riley is a breakout star on Dancing with the Stars right now. One day, Mar- Marley's getting the Mercedes edit. <laughs> me, interesting. Like, and yeah, so yeah, this episode for me is is a weak C plus or strong C. Wow. Uh, well, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be the asshole in the bar and say I. Border, I really liked Borderline loved this episode. To me, this episode was a solid B+. The only reason it isn't an A- minus is because of the five songs in this episode, I would say four of them are bad and three of them are unlistenable. Okay. Um, no, that's not true. I take that back. Five songs, three of them are bad, two of them are unlistenable. I'm not. I'm not just. I'm not disagreeing with your with what you're saying about that about the song selection. I am disagreeing with how can you give a sh- a show where three of them are bad and two of them are listenable, and how how can you even mention the letter A unless it's an F? Like how can you even do that? Because <laughs> to me, music. I felt that the writing and the story and the characters in this episode were so good i honest i will stand by and say i think this was one of the best written episodes we've had since season one i i loved the writing i thought the dialogue was funny i thought it was it was subversive and weird again i mean the whole thing with the bathroom was just strange and uncomfortable and it was it was well that, good was, that was the bathroom the bathroom thing was literally 
the highlight of the episode. And then was, the tattoo I thought was a really cool storyline. I, I love that we clever. still have Finn. Like we did not uh, I was uh, I was the one on the top of the pile saying, "Man, they're never going to mention Finn again. We're going to get to the last episode got, and his got, name's going to come Finn up." In last in la, in Gaga, exactly. Gaga. We got we, Finn Finn is we're seeing the effect mm-hmm. of his loss on characters. I I thought this episode was a straight up B+. And I'll, okay, I'll I'll, I'll you are right, Ed. I will give this episode a flat B, just because I did think that two of the musical numbers in this, like, were just abhorrent, and then one of them was passable, and you know, two of them were fantastic. So, um, and and top of the list, I think if I were a boy, which we'll talk about a little later, probably the best vocal performance in five years, like unique. Wade, Alex was unbelievable. That is a strong mm-hmm. statement, and it is easily the strongest vocal of this season. But uh-huh. I mean, five seasons, like whoa, whoa, Josh, you're, you're going hyper hyperbole already. And that's no, I'm just, I'm, I'm, and and that's <laughs> the thing. Like, I understand I'm the asshole in the bar. I'm usually guys like you didn't get it. But I really, this one worked for me. It really did. And I do think that her vocal performance totally surprised me. Like, really knocked me out. So, hey, you know, it, it, that's that's the way I felt about it. Uh, and let's go ahead. And Jennifer, you want to say something? No, it's just kind of funny that I, I even in my sort of ambivalent um, feelings, even with my ambivalent feelings about the episode, we're not too far off on our ranking. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're just really loud. Because oh, well, because I'm hearing you through the mic, and I'm like 12 <laughs> inches from your. So yeah, I'll angle yeah, this way. Get over there. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I think a couple other performances were. I I would put if I were a boy, maybe in the top 10 performances. I don't think I don't think I could rank it number one, but. Um, but yeah, she was fantastic. I would go. Yes, I would say if I were, and I specifically, I said vocal performances. Like uh, it wasn't the greatest number in the world, and I'm not a h- huge fan of the song. Right. But yeah. vocally, I think it was impeccable, mm-hmm. and and that's really saying something. So definitely yeah. top five vocal performances in the history of Glee. That's where I would put. got it. Uh, well, let's go ahead and we'll dive right in. Uh, just starting off the top, we had Unique and the Bathroom Revolution, or the Bathroom Rebellion at McKinley High. Uh, unique, uncom- or not welcome in the ladies' room, certainly not welcome in the men's room, uh, or boys' and girls' room, I guess, because mm-hmm. it is a high school. Uh, and not really sure where to go. It starts a revolution, and then, of course, we have some twerking involved. Uh, this, I just... This felt like subversive and weird and uncomfortable, but with a really true heart in it. And I think that's why I liked it. I'm not a big, like, the second you mentioned bathroom, I start to get uncomfortable. Like, it's just not a topic for Josh. Well, but I think, I, think they I did, thought it worked. They did, some really, they, they did some really awesome, fun stuff with it. Like, like after Unique was in with Bree, like, that could have gone... Well, it did eventually go to like a darker direction, but it it was very nice that the first the first thing was like, oh, Stoner Brad could figure out he could go to the girls' room, and then Bree found out she could go to the guys' room, and like and like it, it led like it was 
it was a, some lighthearted fun before we got to some serious. Mm-hmm. And for that, that was what made that storyline ultimately successful. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 that's a really good, that's a really good point is it was one of those great kind of like it sneaks up on you. Like it starts off kind of absurd. It obviously had an emotional core, but it started off quite absurd and then it got heavy later. And by the time we got to, if I were a boy, I kind of forgot we were talking about bathroom use. Like, like it's like, if it's like, if I were a boy, that was to, to go a little ahead of myself. If I were a boy, the appropriate amount of stuff happened before it for me to feel it. Exactly. For a, for a wrecking ball, the nothing happened and I didn't feel it and I was mad at Mar I was mad at Marley like whatever you didn't give it up he should leave you oh okay God, wow. yeah I, okay we'll get to that that's so but, funny because that was like I actually kind of felt bad for Marley and and even Jake like that whole scene actually for the first time I gave a damn about those characters which is that's, that's ironic I must I, be I tired like, you know, I don't like Marley like I don't like She's a little mousy and it's whiny. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world to cheat on someone. And if you don't want to be together, well, then that's then that's what it is. Like, okay, bye. Oh come on, though. Like, be honest. It's high school, man. Like, it, it is the end it's, of the world. It is the end of the world. Like, it's murder when you're in high school and you get hurt. It is yeah. the worst you've ever been hurt. And then she said, you know, she's like, please don't tell me you cheated on me, and please don't tell me, you know, especially with her. Like, like somehow, if it had been somebody else, it might not have hurt as much. Although it still would have hurt. It still would have been the end of the world. But it just, yeah, there were degrees to it. So I kind but of I, felt I, bad I for her. Love. I, like your song, I believe their love. But when they're when they're, but I didn't like I didn't believe their love. I don't believe it right no. now. So when when they broke up, I was like, whatever. Like, good good for the two of you. You well, find what you want. He finds what he wants. And if <laughs> if that includes you. Handling each other while joke. cheating on each other—that's that's cute. Whatever. Okay, that's very all right. Modern. If you want to that's dive modern. into Marley and Jake, let's let's dive into Marley and Jake. So in this episode, uh, <laughs> Bree told Marley that okay. uh, she had been sleeping with Jake, and that uh, mm-hmm. or that slept with Jake, I guess. I and just uh, twerking. Yeah, Marley was pretty was pretty hurt by that. Obviously, um, you know. See, I'll say there was enough background in the last episode and the the whole situation is so simple that I guess I didn't need that much uh, background. Um, I think really like, again, you know, on the second viewing, I kind of fell down with you, Ed, and and Ren Mike D. Like, she's just not that interesting. And I think they've tried really hard to make Marley interesting. But Melissa has a lovely voice and is very pretty. um, But I just don't really care about. And I think that's what was falling down. And quite frankly, I don't think Jake's all that interesting of an actor either. So I think that's what was really hurting. If we got that storyline, I think from like Diana Agron and Corey Monteith in season one, or, you know, better actors, Mm. I do think that it would have rang truer. I feel like the writers, the writing did, did everything it could with that. But yeah. the actors just were not that interesting to look at. Yeah, I mean, they. I understand, like, they, you know, they they want Marley to be this, you know, pure, innocent character. But they also made her incredibly bland. Whereas, you know, well, Diana Agron, you know, Quinn was, you know, the, the leader of the uh, 
abstinence group. Yeah, there was so much subtlety and yeah. contradiction in her character, was, which is what made her interesting. There was, there was a lot more that went into her, um, who she was and, and then, you know, her background and everything. And the same thing with Rachel. I mean, Rachel was, you know, for the most part, the good girl. And she um, was still very interesting. Yeah, so Marley just comes off boring and bland. And, yeah. and you, but I still you kind on- of felt bad for that. That that scene, I don't know. Well, you hit on a really good point, uh, and we obviously we have this conversation almost every week now. But uh, you hit on a very good point that you know Quinn and Rachel were both seas of contradiction. You know, uh, Quinn uh, being the head of the abstinence club, but also being this kind of raving psycho who sleeps with Puck, mm-hmm. um, and you know Rachel having contradictions of her own. But that's what made them interesting. Marley doesn't really have any contradictions. She's pretty straightforward. Um, it, it is funny how they've tried to kind of almost make her Britney at times, where she'll say something really stupid. Like in the last episode, she said something really stupid about the sparklers, and everybody yeah. goes, "Oh, you're adorable!" Like yeah. they're kind of trying. They they just don't know what to do with her. Yeah. I think. Um, and I and I for me, I just think Melissa's not deep enough she's not she as an actress she just doesn't have enough weight and jake is so bland and smooth and monotone as well that there's just not enough weight in him uh the interesting conversation is about brie i mean ed as you know as the patron saint of the bad girls on this show uh how do you think that brie is shaping up to be one of glee's you know in the pantheon of evil characters i mean she's like like you have the original bad girl which is Quinn and then you have the next bad girl which is Santana and those are and then you even have the next one which is Kitty and those are like all turned out to be pretty fantastic characters ultimately I don't know where Brie it's Brie could easily be the weakest of the three of the four of them but that isn't I don't think that's a disservice because the other three were just so fantastic so. Yeah, I, I I can see where you're going. I I think in this episode, like I guess Bree is kind of growing on me, but we just don't know anything about her. I think the actress is fine, and I think she's doing the best with what she has, and so that's what I'll give her. But yeah, I don't think we know enough about her to really care. I mean, but yeah. she does lack a certain X factor that obviously Naya had. Right, but Once- we also knew more about them in you know their roles in the Cheerios, you know, like you knew Santana had, uh, you know, something to prove because she was kind of, you know, second to Quinn for so long. And then finally she became queen bitch. And then she became head of the Cheerios. Like she, she was striving for something. We don't even know what grade Brie is in. We just know that all of a sudden she's there and she's a bitch. Yeah, that's true. Well, here, uh, which, which gives her some points over some characters. <laughs> We've gone a little while without a musical performance. So uh, this all culminated in a delightful conversation or a delightful performance of Wrecking Ball. So let's go ahead and take a quick listen to that. This is Melissa Benoist performing Wrecking Ball here on the Gleeful Podcast. Hearts in pain, we jumped, never asking why. We kissed, I fell under your spell
So that was Wrecking Ball performed by Melissa Bedouist. Um, so this is the comment I made after the show is I did think that this episode is one of the best written, uh, certainly in a while, if not ever. Uh, but this was the least, this was the worst performance possibly ever on Glee, in my opinion. And this is why. It was so boring visually, number one. She's, you've got two of them. She's either standing on the stage or she's on a really cheesy recreation of the music video, which is kind of like a half-hearted rec- recreation of the music video where you've got like clouds in the background and she's not in a white thing. She's in a blue thing, which isn't quite as revealing. And then the wrecking ball looks really fake. It's kind of like a fitness ball on a plastic chain and the walls are red. Like, so they kind of half-heartedly recreated it. And then it doesn't really fit like where Marley's head is at in that moment. Like we know Marley, like Marley has no rage in this moment. Marley is just a big sopping ball of, you know, Marley doesn't have knocking down walls ahead of her. She has like four days of Meg Ryan movies. That's the extent. And yet they're really trying to play up the tone of the music video, which is all about like anger and passion. And I'm knocking crap down. Uh, and it just like didn't work on any level and it was visually boring and you know I have nothing against the song the song is perfectly mediocre and fine it's you know whatever but yeah this one did this to me was possibly the worst musical you know possibly the mer- worst number in the history of Glee that is my opinion <laughs> so, anyone Ed opinions on Wrecking Ball I love the song. Um, there's a co- great cover that James Arthur did on uh, Radio Hamburg, so you should check that out on YouTube. Uh, um, <laughs> but uh, that being said, the problem is, I think the, the biggest problem is, is I didn't, at that point, there wasn't enough for me to hold on to for Marley, like, for me to feel it. Like, I wanted to feel it, but I didn't feel it because... There just wasn't there wasn't enough things mm-hmm. like like there I need like the scene was too short with Jake like like she was like they were talking and he's like I cheated and then she was all like wrecking ball like I'm like <laughs> can we get can we get like a little like a few extra lines of dialogue so I just something more there wasn't anything to grab onto it just happened. Yeah, I'll definitely I'll agree with that too, Jennifer. Yeah, I mean, it just it felt so manipulated just so that they could do that song, you know. And they didn't even call. They wanted it so badly. I don't want to say that blurred lines worked out, but at least they called them themselves out on it. That's not what this is about. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) yeah, totally. It was, yeah. So, I mean, they it was so inappropriate and so uncomfortable, but they were. You know, you can tell that was intentional, and you know Sue, you know, being the lone <laughs> voice of reason again. Well, and then Artie even says it too when he first brings up blurred lines. Yeah, and Artie's like, "That's not what that song means." Uh, <laughs> and, and I do not think that means what you think it does. I got a lot of I got some crap on Twitter because people had said blurred lines was way worse than Wrecking Ball, and I agree. In my opinion, blurred lines is a worse song, though it does have the best it's jam so darn catchy it's that the the beat on that thing is awesome mm-hmm. but yeah no blurred lines is a pretty despicable song lyrically i get that but at least it was a number 
like everybody was there there was the marching down the hallways i mean i get that it was creepy and and we'll talk about all that in a minute but it just like the nuts and bolts of was it entertaining to watch like i can tell you everything that happened in that number there was like the people dancing and everybody's taking turns and whatever so at least it was an actual show at least they had some inspiration and they put up something that was reasonably fun to watch whereas the wrecking ball was just Okay, I get it. And it's funny to watch Melissa singing to the camera and trying to do the crying thing like Miley Cyrus. And, but she has to do it with her eyes closed. <laughs> like, Miley Cyrus's eyes are not closed while she's crying into the camera because there's like three music videos where Miley Cyrus is crying into the camera. She's pretty practiced, practiced at this. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Melissa had to cr- close her eyes to get to the moment. It, it was just... Anyway. But yeah, let's talk a little about Blurred Lines. So they did perform Blurred Lines. We'll take a listen to it in a minute. Or maybe not because I hate that song. Uh, but uh, it was kind of funny. I really felt like the pr- a producer went to the writers and said, okay, in this episode we want Blurred Lines and we want Wrecking Ball. Make it work. Because they do Blurred Lines and twice, first Artie and then Sue tell... Uh, you know essentially say this is not a good song you shouldn't be doing this song and it was kind of strange to have an entire you know two and a half minute three minute number and then have a character go you know that's a horrible song right it was kind of odd i don't know what did ed what did you think of blurred lines in this episode well it was well mr schuster grace on me of course but um (laughs) it it kind of worked because they just made fun of the fact they were doing it. That's, like, the biggest thing. So, in Wrecking Ball, they took themselves, like, they take, the way, the reason it didn't work or worked is because it wasn't taken seriously. And if, I feel like if we, I don't know, if we almost treated Jarley's relationship like a joke, it would it would have actually ended up better. That's funny. That's true, yeah. actually. <laughs> like, if we treated it like, oh, like, that's funny. Like, oh, you're together. Uh-huh. <laughs> that would have required yeah. more, like, uh, dramatic subtlety, though, than Glee has had in a little while, <laughs> possibly ever. Um, but a lot of people said the number felt pretty creepy. I mean, I think that was your sentiment, Jennifer, to watch yeah. Will Schuster singing Blurred Lines with a bunch of teenagers. I mean, is, yeah. it, is it any worse than the Hot for Teacher or Crush? I mean... Well, oh, yeah. absolutely. And I just, okay, apparently it is. <laughs> I feel like they just... I feel like they felt like they had to do the song, but they, so that's why they kind of made a mockery of it and made Mm. a mockery of um, people's love of it and obliviousness to what it really means. So like, I I, I felt like it was kind of a statement. That's true. You'd made that comment after we watched it that you felt like Will was more kind of used by the show to be the oblivious people like right. all the people that heard the song and didn't get it yeah. and will was kind of the foil so the show could make that statement yeah i mean there's gotta be somebody out there that you know picked this as their wedding song <laughs> because they didn't really listen to the lyrics but they're like hey it's catchy it's fun and you know uh, that that silly sting song or i'll be watching you yeah. yeah that was in so many weddings <laughs> but it's about song, stalking yeah, it's a, but yeah oh creepy as hell <laughs> Yeah. Well, and as and the winner of all is your <laughs> friend whose wedding song was "Loving You Is Easy Because You're Beautiful." <laughs> yes. So I mean, awesome. <laughs> if he, is he marrying a model? I mean, yeah. um, he was. She was a Barbie. I mean, just sweet girl. But 
Um, she just looked creepily like his ex-girlfriend, who was my then-boyfriend's sister. So, level upon weird upon weird upon weird. So, <laughs> But when we heard that, we just thought, that's the most vapid and superficial song I've ever heard. I can't believe they picked that, but it worked for them. There you go. There you go. I mean, it, I mean, maybe maybe they maybe they thought it was tongue and cheeky. <laughs> no, they're not that aware. And they're not ironic. that meta. No. They're not that meta. Because I would do something yeah. like that. Yeah. I would do something like, but it'd be meta. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, just to like the the other thing about blur lines that I found kind of distracting was um, that everyone was involved, and I this sounds horrible, but it would have been really nice to have at least one of the actors in that song kind of be like, eh, I don't really want to participate in this one. But everybody was there kind of... Like, like if just you had a, a shot of... If you had a shot of, like, um, like Blaine, like, half-heartedly dancing, he's like, uh... Like, the right, the right facial yeah. expression. Yeah, if somebody... Or if somebody, you know, or if we just found out later that, yeah. like... You know, Blake just said, I, "I'm not doing this one. Yeah. Like, you can you can do the number without me. I don't think there's yeah. anything wrong with that. Yeah, but I mean, I understand. Like, they have jobs, and you got to do it, and and whatever. But it was definitely, I don't know. Yeah, it, it wasn't enough. If the show is going to make the statement that like this is a you know this this <laughs> song perfect. is not cool, uh, and we and we don't want to support what the lyrics are are insinuating." Um, then it needed to do it bigger. It needed to like yeah. not have a giant three-minute number with a gazillion people involved and everybody's having fun and cheering and loving it and then have one character at the end say, uh, you know the song's about, you know, well, I mean, coercive I mean, sexual initiate, you know, whatever. It's just I mean, not cool. It's kind of like, hey, hey, uh, like everyone, everyone dances and sings along to hey, uh, outcast. But it's really about like, like, the tragedy of post-divorce life. So, <laughs> it's I, mean, so, I mean, it's slightly different, but I know what you mean. Uh, like, it's like I, I'm what I'm what I'm saying here is it's more about the experience that most people feel when they listen to the song than what the song actually was created to represent. It's more about the feeling of the song than the song itself. Like it's well, transcended it. Yeah, transcended okay. it sort of, I, I guess I see. I mean, I don't think that you know. I don't think. Robin Thicke and and Pharrell Williams or what they weren't they said that they sat around pretending to be old men and were just shouting out things they thought they would say if they saw pretty girls walking by their porch uh, which again when you're having that conversation I think somebody in the room should go like eh, maybe that's not really cool guys but you know that's that's what their thinking was um, so I don't think that they were setting out to do you know to make a song that was that was that uh, insensitive but you know they certainly weren't trying to make a song that was insensitive not like two grown adults writing a song called do what you want with my body which only exists to be insensitive you know it's it's that just kind of awesome that, that song, song awesome. we'll get to that when glee does it because i'm sure they will uh, actually i don't so, think they will it doesn't it's, it's not popular enough that's the one that um, Marley's going to sing when she just has to have Jake back. There you go. Yeah, exactly. She has her whole Sandra D moment. <laughs> when she no. goes full Rizzo. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, but all the whole Blurred Lines came up when Mr. Schuster and uh, Sue Sylvester were kind of facing off over what was going to happen with Unique. Sue saying, you know, 
that she would give Unique a unisex toilet and then making it, of course, a porta potty in the middle of the choir room, which Tina kept using, again, subversive, uncomfortable glee, but still funny. That was hilarious. And <laughs> Tina's embracing her, her, her role <laughs> as being comedically insensitive. Exactly. That just, killed that's, me. That's just her. But yeah, I mean, like, really? So you have to put purple quest, um, yellow purple <laughs> question marks, question marks all over yeah. Oh, I thought that was hilarious. I mean, I, I thought that whole I plot mean, line, that whole plot line worked really well for me. And then, you know, the the, um, the resolution I found quite sweet. And I don't know, like, I, I thought, you know, all of our problems with Schuster aside, in this episode, he was weird and kind of dull but right. he had some good lines his storming yeah. out of sue's office was classic and classic sue style fantastic music cue and everything that raid, yeah <laughs> it but, was awesome but what the heck with becky like what did she get in? <laughs> she just gets caught up in the moment she does you know she has rage issues she do- oh without question if any other student <laughs> talked to talk to a teacher do you have an appointment? Then get the hell out. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. I think there would have been issues. Uh, well, let's go ahead. And we're going to skip Blurred Lines, because uh, I don't think anyone needs to hear that again in their lives. Uh, and then we're going to go ahead and take a listen to If I Were a Boy. We discussed it a little earlier, but it was kind of the capper on this plot line when Unique uh, was harassed by some boys in the, uh, we will call them uh, Anonymous Bullies 1 through 3. Uh, mm. If I had any complaint about the episode, it was anonymous bullies one through three. Yeah. But they kind of gave her a rough time and she performed If I Were a Boy. Here is uh, that as performed by Alex Newell on the Gleeful Podcast. Drink beer with the guys And chase after girls Kick it with who I wanted And I never get confronted for it Cause they stick up for me So that was going, and I think that was the only time we watched this episode with Jennifer's dad, and uh, he even he was pretty impressed by this one. We all were kind of like, "Where's this record in my? Why is it this on my iPod?" Um, specifically, a full Alex Newell record. Like, wow, that was you know, uh, I was really blown away by this one. Um, but yeah, so uh, they performed this one. Now, my question to whoever wants to jump in. Uh, Jennifer Ed, I've heard this song 200 times, lovely song, one of Beyonce's better uh, later career numbers, no question. What the heck does this song mean? 
I have read the lyrics. I have listened close. I cannot tell what point she's making in this song. Anybody? Hold on. Are you? Are you like? Am I? Am I missing the obvious stuff? Maybe. Maybe it's so obvious I don't get it. But I do not get the point like, what that think, she's what trying to make in the song. Like, she if if she were a boy, she would respect her woman. If I was a boy. But she's she just res- listing off all these things she would be doing. Like, I'd be hanging out with my friends. I'd be doing whatever I want. Like, if she was a boy, she would not be respecting yeah, her no, no, woman no, no, in the no. lyrics. If I were a boy, I would, like, like, like she feels like, like, from the, Beyonce, not herself, the songwriter, <laughs> probably. Um, like, herself, she feels like he's off doing these things. And he could be doing the, like, if she was a boy, she could be doing these things. But he would understand the way that she feels when when he does that when she would be doing that to her so she doesn't do it to him she she stops she's like she parlays those concerns by so not doing that if i were a boy i would do I all could, the things I, that a man would do and then i would realize why they were wrong yes and be sensitive and caring and attentive and respectful oh okay all right. Well, I, I, there's I mean, a sp- according to Wikipedia, there's a Spanish version of the song called Si yo fuera una chico. Un chico. Sorry, yeah, not un una chico. chico. That un would be inappropriate. Well. <laughs> and it was written by BC Jean and Tony Gadd and produced by Tony Gadd. There you go. Uh, well, so one of these days, it'll click. It'll be like, it'll get like stuck in my head. Well, and I'll go, oh, I get it now. Well, I mean, like it's like it's like a story. Like the first verse is like stuff that she she could be doing as a guy, and like the last verse is how she would do it, how she would do it as a guy. Like there's like a story. There's a story arc in there. I think, <laughs> and you're just like missing it. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. Maybe it's because I haven't like I haven't listened to it all in one sitting. Like I always hear it on Glee or on the Sing Off where they cut out a verse. Maybe there's just like a couple lines I'm missing that would complete the story. <laughs> Jennifer's head just hit the microphone. This is like, <laughs> well, I've been this like- is my Ulysses. Like I'm gonna figure out the song. <laughs> And I'm kind of with Ed. I didn't think it was that hard. <laughs> For some to reason, I've just never been able to wrap my head around it. Well, there you go. We'll hey. have some immersion therapy later. <laughs> there you go. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'll, I'll put headphones on you when you're sleeping, and you'll wake up in the morning. And you go, That's it. I figured it out. That's it. <laughs> There's well, a song it? by um, uh, the Bare Naked Ladies. It's off like the second or third record um, you know if i fall i think it's called and i used to just i get it stuck in my head because i knew all the words but i couldn't figure out what it was about and then one night i woke up um because it was just stuck in my head for like days and i woke up like oh it's about a window washer like it just clicked all in one moment so maybe that'll happen sometime (laughs) and it is it's about a window washer if you listen to larry (laughs) i trust you okay there's a song um, oh, am I muted? No, I can hear you. I can hear you. You're good. Oh, okay. If my green isn't, or there it is. Okay, there's a song by Kelly Rowland called Rose Colored Glasses. And the video is supposed to tell you that it's about her relationship with a man. That is what the video is telling you. But listen to the words, people. It is about Kelly's relationship with Beyonce. <laughs> 
like listen to the words people like 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 from the outside yeah Destiny Child looked awesome but bitch be stealing my show okay <laughs> like listen like 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 the video tells you it's about a guy but I swear just listen to it and think that the person that she's talking to in the entire song is Beyonce and it's like it's like it's like the deepest thing Kelly Rowland will ever do in her existence. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, no, but I'm impressed. That's very that's cool. I'm sure that uh, uh, you know I, I, who she. What show is she on now? She's on like X Factor now. She's not, she's unfortunately on the tragedy that is X Factor USA season three. <laughs> uh, that is a hot, I, I I love X Factor International. X Factor USA has always been a hot mess. Season one and season two were only saved by the fact that there were some really talented people. But season three, without the talent, it's like, oh, God. <laughs> and is X Factor just all singing or is it like America's Got Talent or it's kind it's of all the singing. freak show? It's all singing. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I love what's so funny is I love the international versions. Like I, um, I report for MJ's big blog on X Factor Australia, on X Factor New Zealand. I, of course, watch X Factor UK. Like, and I like, and there's, and they're so good. Even when the even when the contestants aren't that great, I still get invested. But with the way that Simon is overtly manipulating me on this USA version, it's just like, ugh, like I'm over it. I'm over it. And and, and X USA is a shorter season with double eliminations every week, which I'm not a fan of double eliminations every week. Which is kind of an issue I have with the voice. But at the same time, on American Idol this past season, I was like, let's get rid of some of these people. I guess. <laughs> it's just good clean house here. There is a point. Yeah, there are a lot of reality shows where it's like, you know what? I'm good. We can just cut a lot of these people and just cut to the chase yeah. on this. <laughs> we know like, who's going to win or at least who's going to be in the top two. I, I like, there's, there, like, if the talent dictates that it should that it should be like, like the great American Idol season 10, like I think it needed every single week, even though we got blamed for Pia Toscano for eight of them. But like, <laughs> like if she wasn't like, so it, bland, she would have lasted. Well, I mean, the like, like, ha- like Haley Reinhardt rose from the ashes to the bottom three. <laughs> like it was just such, it was such a triumphant victor- <laughs> failure victory. Like failure. Okay. Anyways. Anyways. Well, I'm, uh... I'm, I'm diverting too much, and we should end the show because i know you guys are tired oh no it's cool let's well we got to go to new york before we go we got to oh, run over to new york real quick and talk about uh kurt and uh kurt and rachel trying to get out of their funk rachel starts by getting a haircut which turns out to be a wig which i thought was funny because if you show up at a broadway rehearsal with a haircut like that you get fired on the spot like there's no there's no like well let's run the scene anyway no hey. you're fired before you get through the door I mean, seriously, has nobody learned anything from Felicity? Come on. Seriously. If you take exactly. one thing away from that show, you just don't get a haircut. <laughs> it's not a dramatic one. No. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so she got a haircut. They per- She performed a very nice number with John Grifford, which we opened uh, the show with. And how, yeah. do you spell, how do you pronounce this last name? Uh, I believe it's Gifford, isn't it? Oh, okay. No, I, I know it's it has an odd spelling. Um, I just didn't know how to pronounce it. Mm. Uh, oh, sorry. It really doesn't matter. And so, uh, but yes, and so then we had some tattoo stuff. I guess Kurt wanted to get It Gets Better, and he got It's Get Better. It's Get Better. (laughs) And then It's Got Bette Midler was the 
when he fixed it it was kind of cool i actually you know i i, I dug this storyline i thought it was mm-hmm. kind of fun i like that we haven't abandoned finn like we're actually kind of seeing the effect at least in a small part uh that finn's loss is having on them and and uh yeah the only frustration i had with the new york plot line was kurt's band just barely doesn't exist in this yeah, my, my, issue, my issue with the new york plot line exactly is that we like you're giving us stuff, and then you're just take it away. If like, like, yeah. g- like, give us some real New York substance, and not some New York accessories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the band just yeah. felt like, you know, oh, it's one more thing that they're gonna throw in there, and then like, now, and I didn't even, never, I didn't never, even notice it was gone. Like, I don't care about Kurt being in a band. I'd rather yeah, see but, Kurt getting tattoos. But whenever they need a musical number, and they like, the one thing, the one thing I'm encouraged about about this whole New York plot line with Danny and Santana being gone is I'm hoping that, that maybe we could just like, instead of Danny leaving the show for when x is actually happening, that she could just be like not mentioned at all like this episode. <laughs> and then we could okay, pick up so... in January and they could be. Santana's returned. like, Oh, Danny's gone out of town. She'll be back in a couple of weeks. Well, like she's, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Like she could be like on, tour or something or, right. or got it or a movie role or, or she has like she's competing on america's got talent or something there you go I don't know. jennifer yeah i was saying they don't i about the band and it's like okay i didn't i don't need to see the band every week because i don't think you know we don't see them go to class every week <laughs> as far as i know they're still students at niata and you know Touché. kurt Auditioned twice to get in, still didn't get in, and then in some like weird little competition loophole gets in. So third time he wanted in so bad, but yet he never goes. So I mean, but okay, so that aside. So yeah, I don't I don't need to see the band every week. But the other thing too is we really want to hear them sing. Don't they work at a restaurant where they're supposed to sing? Yeah, they work at a singing restaurant. They have no excuse not to sing. And they go to a performing arts school. They could sing there (laughs) so yeah i mean the band just seems like another unnecessary distraction although the audition you know was an excuse to bring in adam lambert and like yeah it would be fun to see more of the characters doing stuff in new york but i just you know i didn't believe that they would just never acknowledge finn like when you when you said that um a couple weeks ago i just i couldn't imagine how that could happen it just like, yes, a lot of things have been forgotten and a lot of people have been forgotten and a lot of people just disappear and, you know, they, maybe they're going to find them in Figgins' locker or something. <laughs> it's like just <laughs> bodies stacked. That's the last episode where they open Figgins' locker and it's just like Rory and Joe and Sugar all piled up in the corner. Oh, God, that would be good. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. So I mean, All the people that just disappeared. I mean, all of that stuff has become so commonplace that it doesn't even distract me anymore. But, yeah, I mean, at least just make, you know, <laughs> make good use of the stuff you've already put out there before you're adding in new stuff. Exactly. <laughs> That's how like, I feel about it. Yeah. That's exactly. Like, I don't need the band. You're right. exactly right. Because there's plenty of opportunities for them to, to play out anything they could play out with this band. Yeah. They could play out at Niata. Well, they could I mean, play out at the restaurant. And we've seen them just break into song and dance in their apartment. So <laughs> There's also that. Yeah. Whatever happened to Vogue. 
anyway, yeah. uh, but I I actually did like the plot line. I liked yeah. the convert the uh, the touching ending conversation with a tongue ring in Kurt's mouth was pretty hilarious. Oh, that made me laugh. That was awesome. Yes. Um, and uh, you know, and the fin tattoo was really sweet. See, very sweet you guys moment. turn me around on this episode. I'm feeling more B minus territory. Yeah, I I the bees, eh? I'll take it. In the bees. To the bees. Boom. <laughs> so there you go. We're all we're all this in B so territory. That's because awesome. we're usually <laughs> usually <laughs> conversation about an episode of Glee lowers the grade. That, that's the problem. Is usually yeah. the more you talk about it, the lower your grade gets. But with but this you, episode, you, you it's raising our grade. You convinced me. I didn't. I was kind of mad at the episode, but then you you showed me that there was good things that I should have yeah. cared about. <laughs> well, I mean, in the I thing was, is, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's just it's just like I I I, I don't know. I think ultimately, I this is a byproduct of all the Jarly campaigning that I did and no payoff. I'm <laughs> you like, feel betrayed. Like, why did I vote for? Like, I didn't vote for Taylor Hicks, but if I got Taylor Hicks's record after if I were to have voted for him all season long, I'd be pissed off and this it this, was a pretty this, bad record <laughs> but thankfully i did not vote for him i was he, mick fever and i loved elliot yamin too both those both those they should have been the puddle too uh well i think it was listener marie in the chat room who had uh commented you know they're just trying to break up jarley so they can get marley up with writers since they're kind of together already so it's it, it, it's just oh, you know God, it's all just a skill that. it's all just a scam um, but a couple That's other fine. things to mention before we go, or but uh, just in kind of closing, um, it was funny when Will did his whole dance presentation to the school board, which relocated their meeting to the, uh, oh, uh, yes. which apparently the school board is run by Mr. Beneke, which is awesome. I know, uh, right? But <laughs> and uh, to know his neck is doing better. Their first addendum was to tear up the parking lot so that they could move the Indian bones. So that's awesome. Yes. And then they're uh, then they were given a performance of dance, and I did like in the performance of dance that it included the twist as being a filthy dance because the twist was actually encouraged by parents because it involved not touching your partner. So yes, but, but, but for Will to get his facts wrong, it's <laughs> unheard. Shocking. <laughs> well, in that when the uh, superintendent was introducing the next um, topic of discussion, he said and. <laughs> Teacher of the year, that must be a typo. <laughs> Will Schuster? Schuster? That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That was funny. There were some great moments of that. And then uh, we'll take a listen to On Our Way, which was our big closing final number of the episode. But my favorite part of the On Our Way number was everyone was poorly dressed. Did you notice that? They had the worst outfits in the On Our Way number. Uh, Artie had that like, like Artie wore some bad Argyle, but this was bad. And his collar was like six inches tall. And then Blaine had on the pink pants that didn't fit right. Like they were kind of <gasps> oh, they too were loose in, in, the, the in the crotch, and, yeah, and was, but they were strange. They weren't pink. They were kind of purpley pink. And, and then, uh, and, and then, Will did not have a vest on, even though he wasn't in the on our way number. He did not have a vest on. He had on a plaid shirt and a blue tie, and matching blue pants. Very strange. <laughs> it was just weird. Maybe just maybe the band dresses like that. that. <laughs> I mean, they're they're. Well. Swedish, right? 
Swedish. Swedish. The band. Oh, the band. Uh, the band that does the Crystal right. Royal Royal concert. The Royal concert. Yeah. Yes, the Swedish band. Uh, Swedish? Which man on our a like that that song is essentially somebody listening to the radio and going, "What's popular right now?" Well, really wordy verses and and anthemic kind of "We Are Young" choruses. Okay, and we are let's have some there. finger snapping and some whistling in there because Mumford's really popular right now. Like it was seriously genetically created to be on the radio. That song. It's just weird. Uh, but anyway, let's go ahead and take some voicemails before we go. We got a couple. Here is listener Stephanie. Hi, Josh, Jen, and Ed. This is Stephanie from Wisconsin calling about the end of twerk. Oh, boy. I, I was not especially fond of this episode. There were some nice bits. There were a number of decent bits. Nothing I found especially wonderful. And while things weren't really awful and I don't know. wasn't wasn't my favorite one by any means. Um, I, I enjoyed the Kurt and Rachel storyline the most probably. Thought the Finn tattoo was really sweet. Uh, the whole Marley and uh, oh, what's his name, Jake thing. <laughs> uh, it, whatever. I was I was glad Marley got to sing. She sounded good. Um, I, the the blurred lines song. I don't know. I was not fond of that. I've had such upset feelings about that song in general, and then for Will to be all, oh, I don't know about anything like that. I don't know. And as far as the unique storyline, uh, my thought is it's probably not the worst Glee after-school special. <laughs> um, I don't know. wasn't quite sure how I felt about how they framed that. So, uh, on the whole, not, not, not the worst episode, maybe, but I don't know. I, I was not especially fond. Perhaps it was just doomed because of the twerking not being a style dance that I appreciate. Even even when Blaine does it, even Darren K- Chris twer- twerking uh, <laughs> did not make any difference to me. So, yeah. anyways, can't wait to hear the podcast. Bye. Thank you, listener Thanks. Stephanie. Here's listener Sonia. Hello, this is Sonia. Uh, you've probably gotten way too mes- many messages from me through email from Kakarine. Um, anyway, uh, this is a topic that isn't related to the episode that just aired, but just a general thing that's going on with Rachel in New York. Um, there actually is a sensible reason why Rachel could still need a job. I just learned that Sometimes a new artist doesn't get paid until the show turns a profit. This isn't always the case, of course, but it's a good excuse. Plus, (laughs) naturally, if she is in a Broadway show, working at a singing diner, going to a performing arts school, and in a band, that maximizes the amount of songs she can perform. With that in mind, I think we hardly have grounds to complain. So, that's all. Goodbye. Well, watch us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and here we have a, a listener or an email from an or a voicemail from a new listener in Chicago. Hi, this is Latia from Chicago. I am uh, a recent uh, subscriber to your podcast, and I think it's a lot of fun what you guys are doing. So I wanted to give my two cents 
Unparaphrase episode. To begin with, let's talk about all the things that didn't really make a lot of sense this episode. Rachel's wig being number one. I don't think that anybody actually believed that that was really her hair and that she got it cut <laughs> in that style. It just looked ridiculous. It works for the character, but yeah, it was clearly a wig. Secondly, uh, twerking, no, stop wrong. I just am glad that they have decided to put an end to twerk. It just was not a good look for this episode. I get the pop culture reference. I'm over it. The world should be over it. I was over it in 2002, so, but <laughs> I digress. Anyway, uh, where was Santana this episode? I think that she really could have talked them out of all this horrible rebellion stuff that they went through, although it was really super cute, and I'm glad that they, uh, Rachel and Kurt, got a chance to bond a little bit in regards to that. Um, also, in terms of the rebellion, I liked the whole, I was really super glad that she got a chance to have something that was just for her for herself and something that she didn't have to share with anyone else. So I thought that was amazing. Uh, Kurt and his tattoo, I still don't get the Bette Midler reference. I don't know if I'm missing something here, but the whole tattoo and the cyber lucky with Blaine, uh, I think that's kind of cute too. So I thought Kurt was the cutest this episode in general. I think that they finally gave him a little bit more of what we've been lacking with Kurt. I think he was a little bit happier. He was a little bit more pep. And I don't think we've seen that from him in a little while, even besides his whole engagement storyline. Um, so I was really glad to see this this aspect of Kurt. I'm really excited about Blaine and going to New York next season, or this season, depending. Um, now, back to Ohio, again, with the whole twerking thing, uh, no. I think that when Shu went to talk to the school board, he should have brought up the whole unique and transphobia thing that was happening at the school. It wasn't so much about the dancing. I think the, and I think that that would have made more of a difference. Um, Unique was amazing this episode. She did a great job. I love the song that she did. I love the song choice. I was unsure about how slowly she sang the song at first and, and that choice that they made for her to sing the song in that way. However, I think she did a great job. So her performance was very powerful. And I'm really glad that they're doing more with her character and her storyline this week as well. I think that um, I never realized that, that Beyonce song could be sung and tethered to the whole trans thing, but it, it made sense once I heard her sing it, and I'm really glad they're doing more with Unique. Although, the way Ryder was jumping to her defense... Oh, oh. look, you got cut off. Well, uh, thank you very much. That was a very... That was yeah. a really email. Or voicemail. Uh, we got a couple short ones here. Who's listener Cat? Hi, Josh and Ed. It's listener Cat here. My five-word review for this week? Mm, Will is a bad teacher. <laughs> Generally, I just didn't enjoy all the songs this week. Um, I feel like Rachel has no chemistry with her co-star, and they could be singing any song. And I'm really tired of hearing them just go through whatever's popular on the radio. Anyway, I'm interested to hear what you have to say, and I would really love a separate podcast where Grumpy Josh just reviews new music, but we can't have everything we want. Okay. Bye, guys. I don't think anyone wants that. <laughs> Here's this memory. I don't. Hi, Gleeful. Oh, it's Marie. Um, I loved this episode. I don't think I've said that, quarterback notwithstanding, since uh, maybe Dynamic Duets. I think that's the last one I enjoyed as much as this. Um, it was a great episode, and I think a big part of it is, A, it talked about Finn in a way that was good, 
and appropriate without making it depressing, which is nice. And also the focus on Unique, who is the only underdog in that room. And it was nice to see a plotline in Ohio that felt like there was a real struggle that mattered. Um, but it was still really fun. And I I don't have much out of that, except I'm still disappointed she didn't get fired. Oh, <laughs> come on, stop teasing me, Glee. Just fire him, Sue, please. Please, please, please. All right. Uh, hope you guys liked it, too. Bye. Thank you very much. I, yeah, they are teasing up. us. <laughs> like, like, I suppose there would there would have been a time where I've been like, ah, Sue isn't right. He shouldn't be fired. But now, but mm. now we're like, yeah, go Sue. Good job. Took <laughs> you, you long enough. <laughs> well, uh, that's pretty much all I have. Uh, Jennifer, do you have anything else? Uh, nope. Ed, anything else? I don't think so. Uh, not. Not particularly, um, except for a funny aside. I was talking to my coworkers about American Horror Story Coven. This isn't a spoiler. This isn't a spoiler about that. I was like, I was like, oh, Tyra Banks is going to be on next week's episode. But I, in my head, I flipped over to Glee. Like I didn't, but I didn't say it. And they're like, oh, is she going to be? Is she going to be a, a transsexual witch on, on American Horror Story Coven? I'm like, no, but that would have been <laughs> probably way better than what we're going to get on Glee with her. <laughs> yes, we do have Billy Joel episode next. Week, so that you know, be, or this week, you know, uh, so that'd not be fun. being included on a Billy Joel episode makes me question its credibility. Who? Wait, what? Vienna. Oh, the, the song. song? Oh. Yeah, that not being on not being on the list. Like that's my favorite Billy Joel. Like like that's like I cry sometimes when I listen to that song. That that is a beautiful song, but it's not exactly a hit. I will say that. No, but uh, but it doesn't matter. It's freaking like. Yeah, it should be there. It should be there for the for the sake of Ed. I agree. Ed I agree. Uh, Ed, would you like to thank any iTunes reviewers? Um, I would, except my computer is being stupid, so okay. not today. Another time. I will time. thank them next week. Next week. <laughs> Another time. Next or Sunday. Well, uh, that's about it for us. If you'd like to weigh in on anything we said tonight, you can email us at gleefulpodcast at gmail.com you can find us on the website at gleefulpodcast.com on twitter at gleefulpodcast i'm at josh Brunell. she's a jenny b creative he's at edward giordano and you can find us on facebook just search for gleeful podcast and you can chat with the other listeners there we record usually on sundays but it's been a little mixy so uh follow us on facebook and twitter if you want to listen live to the live recording we have about 15 people which are hanging on with us this late at night, and that's oh. awesome. Yeah. Uh, that so awesome. thank you very much. Uh, for the Gleeful Podcast with Josh, Jen, and Ed, I'm Josh. I'm Jen. As of November 19th, 2013, I officially kick Marley out of the pantheon of 2.0s that I represent. <laughs> I'm sorry. I cannot wow. stand for this anymore. <laughs> well, on that note, Good night, everyone. Good night. <laughs>